Book 8, Chapters 4 and 5 of The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 2, by Flavius Josephus. Translated by William Whiston. Book 8, Chapters 4 and 5. Chapter 4. How Solomon removed the ark into the temple, how he made supplication to God, and offered public sacrifices to him. When King Solomon had finished these works, these large and beautiful buildings, and had laid up his donations in the temple, and all this in the interval of seven years, and had given a demonstration of his riches and alacrity therein, insomuch that any one who saw it would have thought it must have been an immense time ere it could have been finished, and would be surprised that so much should be finished in so short a time, short, I mean, if compared with the greatness of the work. He also wrote to the rulers and elders of the Hebrews, and ordered all the people to gather themselves together to Jerusalem, both to see the temple which he had built, and to remove the ark of God into it. And when this invitation of the whole body of the people to come to Jerusalem was everywhere carried abroad, it was the seventh month before they came together, which month is by our countrymen called Thesiri, but by the Macedonians, Hyperberatoets. The Feast of Tabernacles happened to fall at the same time, which was celebrated by the Hebrews as a most holy and most eminent feast. So they carried the ark and the tabernacle which Moses had pitched, and all the vessels that were for ministration, to the sacrifices of God, and removed them to the temple. The king himself and all the people and the Levites went before, rendering the ground moist with sacrifices and drink-offerings, and the blood of a great number of oblations, and burning an immense quantity of incense, and this till the very air itself everywhere round about was so full of these odors, that it met in a most agreeable manner persons at a great distance, and was an indication of God's presence and, as men's opinion was, of his habitation with them in this newly built and consecrated place, for they did not grow weary either of singing hymns or of dancing, until they came to the temple, and in this manner did they carry the ark. But when they should transfer it to the most secret place, the rest of the multitude went away, and only those priests that carried it set it between the two cherubims, each embracing it with their wings, for so were they framed by the artificer. They covered it as under a tent or a cupola. Now the ark contained nothing else but these two tables of stones that preserved the Ten Commandments, which God spake to Moses in Mount Sinai, and which were engraved upon them. But they set the candlestick and the table and the golden altar in the temple before the most secret place, in the very same places wherein they stood till that time in the tabernacle. So they offered up the daily sacrifices, but for the brazen altar, Solomon set it before the temple over against the door, that when the door was opened it might be exposed to sight, and the sacred solemnities and the richness of the sacrifices might be thence seen. And all the rest of the vessels they gathered together and put them within the temple. Now as soon as the priests had put all things in order about the ark and were gone out, there came down a thick cloud, and stood there, and spread itself after a gentle manner into the temple, 
such a cloud it was as was diffused and temperate not such a rough one as we see full of rain in the winter season this cloud so darkened the place that one priest could not discern another but it afforded to the minds of all a visible image and glorious appearance of god's having descended into this temple and of his having gladly pitched his tabernacle therein so these men were intent upon this thought but solomon rose up for he was sitting before and used such words to god as he thought agreeable to the divine nature to receive and fit for him to give for he said thou hast an eternal house o lord and such a one as thou hast created for thyself out of thine own works we know it to be the heaven and the air and the earth and the sea which thou pervadest nor art thou contained within their limits i have indeed built this temple to thee and thy name that from thence when we sacrifice and perform sacred operations we may send our prayers up into the air and may constantly believe that thou art present and art not remote from what is thine own for neither when thou seest all things and hearest all things nor now when it pleases thee to dwell here dost thou leave the care of all men but rather thou art very near to them all but especially thou art present to those that address themselves to thee whether by night or by day when he had thus solemnly addressed himself to god he converted his discourse to the multitude and strongly represented the power and providence of god to them how he had shown all things that were come to pass to david his father as many of those things had already come to pass and the rest would certainly come to pass hereafter and how he had given him his name and told to david what he should be called before he was born and foretold that when he should be king after his father's death he should build him a temple which since they saw accomplished according to his prediction he required them to bless god and by believing him from the sight of what they had seen accomplished never to despair of anything that he had promised for the future in order to their happiness or suspect that it would not come to pass when the king had thus discoursed to the multitude he looked again towards the temple and lifting up his right hand to the multitude he said it is not possible by what men can do to return sufficient thanks to god for his benefits bestowed upon them for the deity stands in need of nothing and is above any such requital but so far as we have been made superior o lord to other animals by thee it becomes us to bless thy majesty and it is necessary for us to return thee thanks for what thou hast bestowed upon our house and on the hebrew people for with what other instrument can we better appease thee when thou art angry at us or more properly preserve thy favour than with our voice which as we have it from the air so do we know that by that air it ascends upwards towards thee i therefore ought myself to return thee thanks thereby in the first place concerning my father whom thou hast raised from obscurity unto so great joy and in the next place concerning myself since thou hast performed all that thou hast promised unto this very day and i beseech thee for the time to come to afford us whatsoever thou o god hast power to bestow on such as thou dost esteem and to augment our house for all ages as thou hast promised to david my father to do both in his lifetime and at his death that our kingdom shall continue 
and that his posterity should successively receive it to ten thousand generations. Do not thou therefore fail to give us these blessings, and to bestow on my children that virtue in which thou delightest. And besides all this, I humbly beseech thee that thou wilt let some portion of thy spirit come down and inhabit in this temple, that thou mayest appear to be with us upon earth. As to thyself, the entire heavens and the immensity of the things that are therein are but a small habitation for thee, much more is this poor temple so, but I entreat thee to keep it as thine own house from being destroyed by our enemies forever, and to take care of it as thine own possession. But if this people be found to have sinned, and thereupon afflicted by thee with any plague because of their sin, as with dearth or pestilence, or any other affliction which thou usest to inflict on those that transgress any of thy holy laws, and if they fly all of them to this temple, beseeching thee, and begging of time to deliver them, then do thou hear their prayers, as being within thine house, and have mercy upon them, and deliver them from their afflictions. Nay, moreover, this help is what I implore of thee, not for the Hebrews only, when they are in distress, but when they shall come hither from any ends of the world whatsoever, and shall return from their sins, and implore thy pardon, do thou then pardon them, and hear their prayer. For hereby all shall learn, that thou thyself wast pleased with the building of this house for thee, and that we are not ourselves of an unsociable nature, nor behave ourselves like enemies to such as are not of our own people, but are willing that thy assistance should be communicated by thee to all men in common, and that they may have the enjoyment of thy benefits bestowed upon them. When Solomon had said this, and had cast himself upon the ground, and worshipped a long time, he rose up and brought sacrifices to the altar. And when he had filled it with unblemished victims, he most evidently discovered that God had with pleasure accepted of all that he had sacrificed to him. For there came a fire running out of the air, and rushed with violence upon the altar, in the sight of all, and caught hold of and consumed the sacrifices. Now when this divine appearance was seen, the people supposed it to be a demonstration of God's abode in the temple, and were pleased with it, and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Upon which the king began to bless God, and exhorted the multitude to do the same, as now having sufficient indications of God's favorable disposition to them, and to pray that they might always have the like indications from him, and that he would preserve in them a mind pure from all wickedness, in righteousness and religious worship, and that they might continue in the observation of those precepts which God had given them by Moses, because by that means the Hebrew nation would be happy, and indeed the most blessed of all nations among all mankind. He exhorted them also to be mindful, that by what methods they had attained their present good things, by the same they must preserve them sure to themselves, and make them greater and more than they were at present for that it was not sufficient for them to suppose they had received them on account of their piety and righteousness, but that they had no other way of preserving them for the time to come. For that it is not so great a thing for men to acquire somewhat which they want, as to preserve what they have acquired, and to be guilty of no sin whereby it may be hurt. So when the king had spoken thus to the multitude, he dissolved the congregation, but not until he had completed his oblations, 
both for himself and for the Hebrews, insomuch that he sacrificed twenty and two thousand oxen, and a hundred and twenty thousand sheep. For then it was that the temple did first of all taste of the victims, and all the Hebrews, with their wives and children, feasted therein. Nay, besides this, the king then observed splendidly and magnificently the feast which is called the Feast of Tabernacles, before the temple, for twice seven days. And he then feasted together with all the people. When all these solemnities were abundantly satisfied, and nothing was omitted that concerned the divine worship, the king dismissed them, and they every one went to their own homes, giving thanks to the king for the care he had taken of them, and the works he had done for them, and praying to God to preserve Solomon to be their king for a long time. They also took their journey home with rejoicing, and making merry, and singing hymns to God. And indeed the pleasure they enjoyed took away the sense of the pains they all underwent in their journey home. So when they had brought the ark into the temple, and had seen its greatness and how fine it was, and had been partakers of the many sacrifices that had been offered, and of the festivals that had been solemnized, they every one returned to their own cities. But a dream that appeared to the king in his sleep informed him that God had heard his prayers, and that he would not only preserve the temple, but would always abide in it that is, in case his posterity and the whole multitude would be righteous. And for himself it said, that if he continued according to the admonitions of his father, he would advance him to an immense degree of dignity and happiness, and that then his posterity should be kings of that country, of the tribe of Judah, for ever. But that still, if he should be found a betrayer of the ordinances of the law, and forget them, and turn away to the worship of strange gods, he would cut him off by the roots, and would neither suffer any remainder of his family to continue, nor would overlook the people of Israel, or preserve them any longer from afflictions, but would utterly destroy them with ten thousand wars and misfortunes, would cast them out of the land which he had given their fathers, and make them sojourners in strange lands, and deliver that temple which was now built, to be burnt and spoiled by their enemies, and that city to be utterly overthrown by the hands of their enemies, and make their miseries deserve to be a proverb, and such as should very hardly be credited for their stupendous magnitude, till their neighbors, when they should hear of them, should wonder at their calamities, and very earnestly inquire for the occasion why the Hebrews, who had been so far advanced by God to such glory and wealth, should be then so hated by him, and that the answer that should be made by the remainder of the people should be, by confessing their sins, and their transgression of the laws of their country. Accordingly we have it transmitted to us in writing, that thus did God speak to Solomon in his sleep. Chapter 5. How Solomon built himself a royal palace, very costly and splendid, and how he solved the riddles which were sent him by Hiram. After the building of the temple, which, as we have before said, was finished in seven years, the king laid the foundation of his palace, which he did not finish under thirteen years, for he was not equally zealous in the building of this palace as he had been about the temple. For as to that, though it was a great work, and required wonderful and surprising application, Yet God, for whom it was made, 
so far cooperated therewith that it was finished in the forementioned number of years but the palace which was a building much inferior in dignity to the temple both on account that its materials had not been so long beforehand gotten ready nor had been so zealously prepared and on account that this was only a habitation for kings and not for god it was longer in finishing however this building was raised so magnificently as suited the happy state of the hebrews and of the king thereof but it is necessary that i describe the entire structure and disposition of the parts that so those that light upon this book may thereby make a conjecture and as it were have a prospect of its magnitude this house was a large and curious building and was supported by many pillars which solomon built to contain a multitude for hearing causes and taking cognizance of suits it was sufficiently capacious to contain a great body of men who would come together to have their causes determined it was a hundred cubits long and fifty broad and thirty high supported by quadrangular pillars which were all of cedar but its roof was according to the corinthian order with folding doors and their adjoining pillars of equal magnitude each fluted with three cavities which building as at once firm and very ornamental there was also another house so ordered that its entire breadth was placed in the middle it was quadrangular and its breadth was thirty cubits having a temple over against it raised upon massy pillars in which temple there was a large and very glorious room wherein the king sat in judgment to this was joined another house that was built for his queen there were other smaller edifices for diet and for sleep after public matters were over and these were all floored with boards of cedar some of these solomon built with stones of ten cubits and wainscoted the walls with other stones that were sawed and were of great value such as are dug out of the earth for the ornaments of temples and to make fine prospects in royal palaces and which make the mines whence they are dug famous now the contexture of the curious workmanship of these stones was in three rows but the fourth row would make one admire its sculptures whereby were represented trees and all sorts of plants with the shades that arose from their branches and leaves that hung down from them those trees and plants covered the stone that was beneath them and their leaves were wrought so prodigious thin and subtle that you would think they were in motion but the other part up to the roof was plastered over and as it were embroidered with colours and pictures he moreover built other edifices for pleasure as also very long cloisters and those situate in an agreeable place of the palace and among them a most glorious dining-room for feastings and compotations and full of gold and such other furniture as so fine a room ought to have for the conveniency of the guests and where all the vessels were made of gold now it is very hard to reckon up the magnitude and the variety of the royal apartments how many rooms there were of the largest sort how many of a bigness inferior to those and how many that were subterraneous and invisible the curiosity of those that enjoyed the fresh air and the groves for the most delightful prospect for the avoiding of heat and covering of their bodies and to say all in brief solomon made the whole building entirely of white stone and cedar wood and gold and silver he also adorned the roofs and walls with stones set in gold 
and beautified them thereby in the same manner as he had beautified the temple of God with the like stones. He also made himself a throne of prodigious bigness, of ivory, constructed as a seat of justice, and having six steps to it, on every one of which stood, on each end of the step, two lions, two other lions standing above also. But at the sitting-place of the throne, hands came out and received the king, and when he sat backward, he rested on half a bullock that looked towards his back. But still all was fastened together with gold. When Solomon had completed all this in twenty years' time, because Hiram king of Tyre had contributed a great deal of gold and more silver to these buildings, as also cedar wood and pine wood, he also rewarded Hiram with rich presents. Corn he sent him also year by year, and wine and oil, which were the principal things that he stood in need of, because he inhabited an island, as we have already said. And besides these, he granted him certain cities of Galilee, twenty in number, that lay not far from Tyre, which, when Hiram went to, and viewed, and did not like the gift, he sent word to Solomon that he did not want such cities as they were. And after that time, these cities were called the land of Kabul, which name, if it be interpreted according to the language of the Phoenicians, denotes what does not please. Moreover, the king of Tyre sent sophisms and enigmatical sayings to Solomon, and desired he would solve them, and free them from the ambiguity that was in them. Now so sagacious and understanding was Solomon, that none of these problems were too hard for him, but he conquered them all by his reasonings, and discovered their hidden meaning, and brought it to light. Menander also, one who translated the Tyrian archives out of the dialect of the Phoenicians into the Greek language, makes mention of these two kings, where he says thus, When Abibalus was dead, his son Hiram received the kingdom from him, who, when he had lived fifty-three years, reigned thirty-four. He raised a bank in the large place, and dedicated the golden pillar which is in Jupiter's temple. He also went and cut down materials of timber out of the mountain called Libanus for the roof of temples. And when he had pulled down the ancient temples, he both built the temple of Hercules and that of Astarte. And he first set up the temple of Hercules in the month Peritius. He also made an expedition against the Euchii, or Titii, who did not pay their tribute, and when he had subdued them to himself, he returned. Under this king there was Abdemon, a very youth in age, who always conquered the difficult problems which Solomon, king of Jerusalem, commanded him to explain. Dius also makes mention of him, where he says thus, When Abibalus was dead, his son Hiram reigned. He raised the eastern parts of the city higher, and made the city itself larger. He also joined the temple of Jupiter, which before stood by itself, to the city, by raising a bank in the middle between them, and he adorned it with donations of gold. Moreover, he went up to Mount Libanus, and cut down materials of wood for the building of the temples. He says also that Solomon, who was then king of Jerusalem, sent riddles to Hiram, and desired to receive the like from him, but that he who could not solve them should pay money to them that did solve them, and that Hiram accepted the conditions. And when he was not able to solve the riddles proposed by Solomon, 
he paid a great deal of money for his fine, but that he afterward did solve the proposed riddles by means of Abdemon, a man of Tyre, and that Hiram proposed other riddles, which, when Solomon could not solve, he paid back a great deal of money to Hiram. This it is which Dius wrote. End of Book 8, Chapters 4 and 5